0: perhaps carry on with our consistent theme but make a slight we deviated we, we, we went on a slight tangent but a crucial tangent yesterday um, our overriding point of discussion and topic of Pursuit is the idea that a person is is created with an essential strength or strengths which give way to greatness. But each person has his own specific area whereby he can excel. And no two areas are the same. And the goal of a person is to focus on those areas of talent, to refine them, hone in on them, and prevent them from being lost in the tests which confront him in the course of his lifetime, And that's how he reaches his perfection, and that's how he will achieve greatness. And therefore, the the point of self-knowledge and understanding of why I'm different from everyone else and where my talents are... that car? It's from their car. Wow. He loves the news. <laughs> <laughs> the mamish loves the news. <laughs> like some people like you know they feel that they can't appreciate music and it's like 3,000 decibels higher than your ears can stand. Like he's, he's like mm, yes like as a new reporter comes in. <laughs> <laughs> so so A person has to take his his, his raw talents and refine them. And the way you identify your raw talents, in many ways, one of the ways is in an area where you see people don't get it when you behave this way or you can't understand that other people don't take this... I'll give you an example. Yesterday a person came to me and he came years in the center eight years ago and he came, he's very upset with me as most people who have contact with me are. And um, he said to me that felt that that uh, after a long discussion, it uh, boiled down to the fact that he felt that he he was completely unappreciated. And that he couldn't make an impact on the people around him. I said, why not? He said, because no one takes seriously what he says. So I said, what do you mean? Because I know the person, and he's one of the deepest, most thinking people I know. And he, it sounds so bizarre to me that he felt that no-one esteemed him for his capacity to understand and, and develop in learning. So he said to me, and this revealed a principle which you all have to be aware of. There's a point which I've mentioned before, but it's worth hammering home. That we think that by denying our strengths and not being aware of them, it will make us more modest, and that by acknowledging our talents, it will make us less modest, And that is a fundamental and critical mistake. On the contrary, that by acknowledging your strengths, it will make you modest. And by denying your strengths, it will make you proud. How so? Quite simple. If I have a strength of kindness, it's a rare gift that's been given to me and given to me alone. So when I see you not being kind, if I acknowledge this, if I deny the strength, I say, You're selfish. Why don't you just give it to him? If I acknowledge the strength, I say I understand why you're not giving it to him because you don't have the gift I have. It makes perfect sense. And I look up to you, not down on you. So, ironically, through acknowledging your strengths, you become more modest, and through by denying them, you become, become more arrogant. Do you see that? So, the person, his lack of awareness of his strength. Cause him to become upset and depressed. Why? Because he said, I speak to people and no one takes seriously what I say. I said, what do you mean? People take you what you say very seriously. He says, I tell someone something and I can ask him about it a week or so later and he hasn't spent the time thinking about it. So I said, go on. He says, well, obviously they don't care about what I've said because when someone says something to me, I'll think about it for a week. So I said to him, don't you realize that you have a rare strength To take things to this extent so seriously that you're willing to think about them for a week. And he said, Oh. (laughs) Meaning, he used himself as a yardstick, didn't appreciate a rare talent that he had, and therefore was upset that other people didn't do what was so normal to do. So, a lack of self awareness of your strengths not only causes you arrogance, but it causes you a variety of different problems. And therefore, I would say that in any work in yourself, Step number one is to become cognizant of your strengths, and your goal in life is to hone and perfect them. That's that's been the overall theme, correct? Yesterday we went on a deviation. We said that without the capacity to visualize, without the ability to bring down from the idea to the senses, any experience, a person is severely limited... In his experience of the world, in his experience of, of Torah, and in his Emunah. For example, if a person can only theorize about the exodus from Egypt, his Emunah will always be weak. If a person can relive being in Egypt because he has the power to visualize it and to smell. Do you know what it smelled like? Come with me. Just come with me for it. if you don't mind. i just going to go down to our neighbor's in the south and we're walking along the banks of the Nile mm-hmm. it's a fine summer's day and we're looking at the sea scenery the blue skies above us the golden desert sand the bulrushes growing along the sides of the river and I'm engaging in casual conversation <coughs> my name is Mahmoud and your name is Mahmoud and as you walk down the side of the river, Machman! And Ibrahim sees it. The river, the river, the river, the water, you can smell it gone red not just red And then you realise that, that there's a beam that can change the water to blood like that. Blood. Blood. You can't visualize that. You can't visualize that. You can't feel it. You can't smell the blood. You can't see the fish as they washed up on the shore. What happened when the blood when the blood dro- when it dried, did it make a scab? Did it sink into the ground? What did it look like? If you ever Smell it, and touch it, and feel the thick consistency of blood. But took you into the river, you're straight to the river, warm, bloody surroundings. As you try to pillow out of the now, it was blood. It was blood. It was blood. You have to be able to feel it. It has become part of your memory. And then all of a sudden, when you see water, you know that water could change to blood as well in a second. Why is it changing? Of course, Broke is deciding not to change to blood. The second, this, this is blood. But broker decides it should be water. It could be blood in a second as well. So then all of a sudden the water comes becomes different. But only it's only, it. it's only if you can see it. It's only if you can see it. It's only if you can see it and you can feel it and you can taste it and you can touch it. Because without your capacity to you visualize and imagine and imagine, you're very, very limited, very restricted. Your experience of life is very, very narrow. With the capacity to imagine, you can enrich and expand yourself. And not only that can you run, but the imagination is such a powerful force that without it, it's very difficult to change. If you can imagine what you could be, you can become it. If you can't imagine it, you can never become it. If you can visualize who you could be, and I know who you could be, I can visualize. If you can't, so you'll only ever be the person that you imagine yourself to be. So therefore, the person has these talents inside himself, and he doesn't register them, and makes them a generic, that's what people are like, there is no such thing, no one is like! There is no one who is like! Every single person in this room is so radically different, in every nuance of the experience of reality and personality and the way they process it. There's no words to even put them in the same box. Once you realize that, all of a sudden, things change. And now we go to the mystical. The mystical begins in a vision, a prophecy. It was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. It is the Avia Dabere El Lokim El Moishevayme E Lob Ani Hashem. I am Hashem. Prophecy. Prophetic revelation. The Ayra, the Aira, El Avram, El Yitzhok, El Yaakov, And I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Bekal Shakai as an almighty God. Bekel Shakai Bekel Shindalad Yud Shem Shindalad That's a name. Ushmi The Name Havaya Yud Vavke Noidati Lohem Loy Lohem Now the grammar of the Pasuk is mistaken. It says, I, it was not known to them. She said, I didn't make it known to them. Ushmi Hashem, and my name Hashem, loi hoidati, Lohem, in Hebrew. That would be the correct grammar. I didn't tell them that name. It says, Ushmi Hashem, Lohem. I was not known to them. Not, I didn't make it known to them. It's the wrong grammar. Rashi picks up on it. And he says the following words. shakai And I appeared to the fathers with the name of Shin Says Rashi Hiv tahtim, have tochois I promised them promises Khulan And in all of them, Omereti, I said Ani Kel shakai I used this name of God. Ushmi but the name Hashem of Avaya loi noydati lohem. Says Rashi loi hoydati ain It doesn't say that I didn't tell them elo loy noydati. They didn't know me loy nikarti lohem. I wasn't known to them b'midras amitis sheli in my true attribute sheoleh nikra shmi Hashem that my name is called Hashem. I am trustworthy to fulfill my words. Why wasn't I known to them by that name? Because I promised and I didn't keep my promise in their lifetimes. It's a very strange Rashi. Rashi says there are two names of Hashem. The one name of Hashem is Kelshakan. The name of Hashem means. The name, you call something a name to describe it. It means that's the way it's manifest in this world. The way our Kodesh appeared was manifest. The way they related to him, Kodesh the Avos, the patriarchs, was in one way, and Moshe Rabbeinu in another way. What way did the Avos relate to our Boku? The way they relate to him was someone that makes promises but hasn't yet kept them. And the way Moshe Rabbeinu related to Akash Bokhu was someone that keeps his promises and fulfills them. So, the experience of the Almighty God that the patriarchs had was one who doesn't, hasn't yet kept what he said he would. And the experience of Moshe Rabbeinu was one who does that he doesn't keep them but that we don't know if he can keep them or not? that he hasn't kept them he will keep them but he hasn't kept them the entire experience of the divine was one that says about it's all a promise in the future they relate him as the promise of redemption but there was no redemption now in relating to the idea of a promise Aaron in the context of the divine the concept seems a little absurd. Because if we discuss the notion of making a promise, well, then I'd say as follows, Ami. When you promise something to me, why do you promise something to me? I mean, I say to you, Ami, I really want you to come to Shur tomorrow. You say, Rabbi, I'll be there. I say, promise me you'll be there. I mean, you say, Rabbi, I promise why did you say that, Danny? Because if uh, the other person doesn't, or if you don't do it, you feel guilty. And you enjoy watching them feel guilty. shit. <laughs> 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 you make the other person feel uh, obligated to so a sense where... The reason you make a promise is because we don't know if you're going to come tomorrow or not. So therefore, to strengthen your resolve, you promise. To strengthen to your resolve. You say, Are you asking why I wouldn't make a promise or why you would ask me to make Oh, why you'd make a promise. Oh, right. sure. Why would you make oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Why would you make a promise? Oh, to encourage myself. Solidify to it. Myself, yeah. so now, <coughs> how is it possible a promise by God? Hashem has to promise. Hashem, if He wants to do it, He'll do it. So that, well, maybe I'll save the Jews. Mm, I don't know, <laughs> I mean, it's a long time, I don't know what I'll be doing man, I mean maybe I'll be like making earthquakes in China, <laughs> I can't promise to save you, fine I'll promise I'll make sure I'll take away time, I was busy creating a little bit of social unrest in Somalia, I'll take my time and I'll come and save the Jews, so if wants to do something, he'll do it, you have to promise, not only that, the fact that it's categorized as a midder means that's and legitimate way that a Baruch relates to the world. What middah is that? What middah is that? What middah? What middah? Promising. Yeah! So it says, Rabbi Ruchem, Levavitz, the great Ashker from the Mir, that there's two facets to the manifestation of the Divine, and both are acceptable realities. The one is called potential. The other is called reality. And both are equally legitimate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself through his potential, and he reveals himself through reality. The potential is the seed from which reality grows. Reality doesn't just come. It needs to be a planting, a growth, and then the last point potential is the beginning of reality. But every single event needs to have been planted before it grows into reality. That planting is also a of Hashem and that this fundamental point that Rashi points out over here is a principle which runs throughout the creation. That prior to the event there has to be the potential. And in fact, the reality is only the final stage of a reality which had existed long before it. You following me, Aaron? So, for example, when were the Jews redeemed from Egypt? They redeemed, and Akash said to Avram Avini, Your nation will be a nation, will be a strangers in a strange land, and they will be redeemed. That's when the redemption happened. When did the redemption revealed 400 years later? When did it happen 400 years previously? That was a redemption. It just, it just was in a different form. It was in a different form. It was there! As tangible. As concrete. It just was in a different form. That form is not as potential. But it's as solid and as vital and as basic and as concrete. Just in a different form. That's called potential. Potential is not iffy. Potential is not wispy. Potential is not ethereal. Potential is solid. Potential is real. It's just potential. So Kajibor says as follows. There are two ways I relate to the world. I relate on the level of potential and I relate on the level of reality. Every reality is the revelation, the opening up of the potential which was always there. One's called Kalshakai, one's called Hashem. Now, that's beautiful, and that's the mystical realm, and that's the realm of the divine. But why is it relevant for us when all we want to do, all we want to do is take our finest character traits and refine them? So, Siegel, why are you telling us this vort? Is it stum because you cropped up against a nice vort in the parasha? Is it because you want to tell us that you're well-versed in Russian and Chumash? Or pretend you are? Because you're way behind in your parasha? <gasps> no, gentlemen. The reason why I would like to share this with you is because this idea is a crucial component, if not perhaps the most crucial component of any work that you begin doing with yourself. Why? Why? Rabbi Ruchim continues and he says the following thing. He says... a person makes a promise, in other words, translating from the divine to the human, just like the divine, when he makes a promise, it means he creates the thing in this form called potential. And when he keeps the promise, he just brings the potential to the surface. So to you, Aaron, when you make a promise, it's not that... We don't know if you're going to do it or not. And then when you do it, it now comes out that when you said you're going to do it, it was true. If you make a promise, you vow to do something, it means the thing is done. All it needs is an elapsing of time until you do it. What happens if you make a vow to do something and you don't do it? You've destroyed a reality. And according to Torah law, it is considered a negative transgression. You vow to give it to Dhaka You don't do it. So since it's already been done, and you don't allow it to come in fruition, you have created a negative energy, and you have transgressed a divine commandment because it was already there. Because you said you'd do it, which means you made it. Because it's potential says here, if when a person makes a vow to do something, in other words, he introduces the potential into the world and he doesn't realize the potential, it's transgressing and destroying a negative commandment. Imagine if a person doesn't live up to his own internal potential, how much destruction he is involved in. Because, as when a person makes an oath that he will do something, he creates the potential as solid as can be right now, he is then obligated to reveal it to the surface, so too when a person looks inside himself, and he sees his own potential, his own greatness, which has not yet come to the fore. And he doesn't allow it to come to the fore. He's destroyed a world. He's destroyed a reality. He's destroyed the me that is there now. just hasn't come to the surface. The great wise man that knows all these books could be right inside of you today, Liran. just hasn't come to the surface. The person that shows the sensitivity and the capacity to feel someone else's pain to the nth degree. To the degree that the Hasidic Rebbe said. Yeah. Who was it? I've forgotten his name. But he was once undergoing an operation. And he needed to be cauterized. Now back in the day, cauterizing meant that they had to take a burning hot piece of steel and place it on the open wound burning, burning, like branding a person. It was, the pain was excruciating. The doctor they wanted to do it to the Chassiz Rebbe said, we're going to have to tie you down because I did it with a Cossack and the pain was so severe, he broke the ropes that he was tied, tied down with. The Rebbe said, don't worry, just go ahead and do it. I won't react. The doctor said, are you sure? This could be dangerous if you jerk. He says, you don't have to worry. And the doctor then went and proceeded to heat up a big iron rod in a burning hot fire until it got hotter and hotter and hotter until he took it out of the fire it was burning hot it was red with heat and he went towards the Rebbe and he gently placed it on his wound until you he could hear the sizzle the excruciating pain and the Rebbe didn't even flinch he completed the completed the Process of pushing it down hard into the flesh, and the Rebbe didn't flinch. And after the process had been finished, he went over to the to the tzaddik. He said, "It's beyond my comprehension, and this is something physiologically wrong with you that you do not experience pain, that you couldn't have flinched during that process. What happened?" And the Rabbi looked at him and he said to him I have to speak to my fellow Jews every day and they come to me with their problems and sometimes their problems are so deep and so profound that when I hear their problems the pain of their suffering seas, sears through me like a burning hot knife and cuts my heart. He says, after feeling so much pain, what you did to me, didn't even register. Didn't even register. So inside of you exists that Rebbe. He's there. You just have to bring him out. You have to bring him out. You have to bring him out. He's there. It's not that he's not there. And if you bring him out, he will be there. He's there now. It is such a radically different perception of self. It means that the greatness is there. It's just in a different form. So all you have to do, you have to make sure that the greatness is not obstructed from becoming revealed. You have to make sure that it has an avenue of expression. You have to make sure that it's not ruined and oppressed by the different environmental factors both internal and external and then you will be truly great because you are already truly great. You are already truly great. And the evolution of the greatness from reality from potential to reality is merely a matter of technique and time. And that greatness, that greatness is not generic. That greatness is you, and that's specific, and that's diverse, and that's different. And therefore each of us, to begin with, has to look deep inside ourselves and see the great person that exists therein. And then all you have to do is you have to allow him to come, to come out. He's there. It's right, yeah. No way, it's not far. It's not far away. The says, the Very close. Very close. Very close, Yasalem. Very, very, very close. All you have to do is let him come out. Free him from the bondage that he's suffering. Liberate him. Your what will you see, what we ask. I guess I don't know. It might be too early to ask, but I'm I no. so you're saying we have to not necessarily work on bringing him out, but work on controlling our our thoughts or our actions in order to allow it to come out. Our okay, let's know. that's now that's that's no. a theory. It's practically speaking, practically speaking, as follows, well as you have to be able to make an internal portrait of yourself. But you have to lock into it. Sometimes I give an easy practical exercise to do. It makes it more tangible. Write out on a piece of paper, put me in the center, and write about all the things you are. Instead of describing them as strengths, describe them as something more concrete. So you can write, great composer, famous architect. Brilliant Torah scholar. Founder of major chesed organization. Talented father. Incredibly understanding husband. Devoted son. Whatever you want to write. But you can write in concrete terms. It makes it easy to, 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 to feel. And those all, even though you're none of them now. But if you look inside yourself, you see all those things. You see them. You just need you to bring them out you bring brewing them out. So things that you're not necessarily in? No. For example, an example of my friend yesterday, that when he has an idea, he mulls it over. Yes? So he could write, great Kabbalist. He's never learned Kabbalah in his life. But he has the mind that will embrace the wisdom of Kabbalah. So he can write, great Kabbalist. Not just to let the Kabbalist come out. Yossi. Yossi Kaku Yossi Kaku yeah. Kiri of Rabbi that changes the lives of thousands hundreds of thousands Just let him come out Just let him go don't even be stopped that's what you need to be understand so, when you think about yourself this way, it's a very different perception. It's a very, very different way of looking at yourself. We look at ourselves in, through the eyes of reality. I am this. That's not who you are. That's not who you are at all. What you are is not who you are. What you are not is what you are. It's a major paradigm shift. BING! Your entire framework is altered. AMI. AMI! The new Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you all understand? So a new way of seeing yourself. It's a difficult thing. It's not a process that I expect you to achieve in the next five minutes. But If you're aware of the goal of self-perception, then you'll use your life and your interactions as arrows to point in the direction of where your greatness lies. And the greatness that you see, the glimmers of, already gives you an indication of what you are in potential, which is reality. Okay, boys, huh? So, uh, huh, I wish you well in the quest. The end.